0: Uh, Okay, hi, so it's Carrie Johnston, and I'm filming today on the traditional territory of and azhaq First Nations in beautiful Dakwakara-Hings Junction, and my guest today is Inga Petri. Welcome, Inga. Hi there, it's good to see you,
1: Carrie. Uh, I just want to reciprocate. I I am in Whitehorse, which is on the traditional territory of the Kwanlandan First Nation and Chang Council, and I'm so grateful to finally have moved to a place where there are self-governing First Nations.
0: Great. Thanks so much for being here. So could you tell us a little bit about uh, what your business is?
1: Sure. I'm a, I'm an independent consultant. Uh, my company is called Strategic Moves. Um, as Strategic Moves, I sort of live at the intersection of strategy, research, and marketing planning. Uh, my background includes working for about 15 years in marketing and sales, uh, 10 of those years in, in ad agencies. So I, I am no longer running marketing campaigns, but I do all of the work leading up to that uh, for my clients. Uh, in, recent, in recent times, I've sort of harkened back to some of that heritage though from the ad agency world, which, which is really about working in, in the digital world uh, in extensive ways and uh, pre- predominantly the arts and culture sector.
0: So, I mean, you, you alluded to it a little bit there, or hinted at it. Uh, what are you learning about your business over the last eight months?
1: You know, there, there is a, I spent about the last nine years trying to convince people in the performing arts in particular that they needed to think about how to be in and relate to the digital world. Um, and for about eight and a half of those years, I kind of got a bloody head doing that. People weren't ready. Um, since COVID and the world becoming digital, uh, practically overnight, um, there's now this sort of indelible need to figure it out. So, you know, so I think in terms of my clients, there's, you know, there's, there's places where, you know, they're incredibly resilient, they're still here. Um, of all the sectors affected by COVID in really adverse ways, I think the two predominantly affected ones are anyone in the live arts business. And restaurants and hospitality, right? So live arts, basically, nowhere in the country can operate in the way that they used to, and yet they're still here. They're they're persisting. They're trying to figure out how to how to be in a world that was really unfamiliar to them. Um, there, I also am, am sort of understanding that no matter how much I'll knowledgeably talk about digitization or what the digital world entails, people are only ready when they're ready. <laughs> Right. So there is that there is that aspect to it. And, uh, you know, anyway, I mean, we'll talk a bit more about about what that really means. But in terms of my business, uh, I'm quite known for digital leadership in the performing arts and arts and culture in Canada. So COVID has not been bad for business at all.
0: In terms of your sort of your client base, are you predominantly like Canadian, international, Yukon? Could you give me some like-ish percentages just so we understand? No, for sure. Most of my work is
1: outside of the Yukon, but I have been building my sort of Yukon portfolio in the last, since I moved up here in 2015, quite significantly. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the projects I'm working on right now in the Yukon, is with the Yukon Transportation Museum, trying to figure out how to leverage COVID for good. So we're engaging in a process there to try to figure out whether we can build digital business models that would actually generate sufficient revenue for the museum to, to largely cover some of its, its basic operations. And those revenue streams are intended to come from outside of the Yukon. So think of it as can, can the Yukon Transportation Museum become a global museum, in fact, operating on mandate, doing the things it's supposed to be doing, but figuring out how to build, you know, sort of a completely different business model. So that's one kind of example. Over the summer, I've led a process um, with a really interesting diverse group of people uh, around Creative Lab North. It's a very ambitious project that is trying to imagine a world where virtual reality, uh, augmented reality, extended, extended reality media basically come together with dance and theater and visual artists uh, and all of that sort of you know, building a big sort of home for these really diverse creative endeavors and figuring out how to build that kind of an industry up here. uh, That that excites me to no end. As as you know, the Yukon has two kinds of industries, government, which is great, very consistent, and cyclical industries and seasonal industries. So tourism and mining uh, come to mind, right? So this would be a very different, Sort of aspect to that. So those are a couple of Yukon examples. Other than that, I, I spent most of my time really working with clients from British Columbia to to uh, Nunavut to to you know sort of the the Atlantic the Atlantic region, uh, doing a really wide range of fairly innovative work, um, both around digital literacy and intelligence figuring out what amazing, awesome, connected online experiences would feel like, how to do online conferences, um, to doing work around um, sort of digital showcasing. Uh, that's actually a project led out of, out of Whitehorse as well um, with uh, Debbie Peters from Magnum Opus Management, the only agent um, manager north of 60 in the country. And so we're working together on figuring out a business to business application uh, it's amazing to be able to lead that out of the Yukon at this point, um, like that's certainly one of the nice things about doing work in the digital realm, it's, it's digital, it doesn't really matter where we are. Uh, I should tell you that recently I've gotten some requests from both New Zealand and Australia where um, networks, arts, net, arts service organizations are looking for the kind of intelligence I have to offer and it seems that uh, who they're landing with is me. Uh, so they're figuring out how to find me up here in Whitehorse um, from sort of the other side of the world. So that's kind of cool, we'll see where that goes. Um, but there was sort of, a, sort of a sweet spot in terms of the, the thinking and, and approach uh, that I've taken over the last decade or so to try to get arts and culture organizations to better understand what the digital world actually might be to them and, and how it might be useful. So it goes much beyond marketing and figuring out how to use Facebook um, into sort of trying to figure out what does a business look like that is a digital business. And as you as you might imagine, it's easier to start a digital business than it is to convert or transform an existing business that's very much in a bricks and mortar world, mm-hmm. particularly if it's about convening people mm-hmm. uh, into something that would be much more significant in the digital realm, right? So that's a bit of a mind, you know, it's a shift that, that's hard to make. Um, for, for anybody, including myself. So we're figuring that out together now, which is which is pretty cool.
0: Well that's all really exciting stuff to hear about. What are you learning about your clients sort of as you're, you know, sussing things out over the last couple of months?
1: You know, one of the one of the things I love about working in the creative industries, so arts, culture, creativity, you know, whether that's on a commercial basis, like what, I don't know what architects and photographers and designers might do, or whether that's, you know, dancers and, and theater people and, you know, people in the classical orchestra world or something like that, you know, they're, they're, they're figuring, you know, they're, they're really good at problem solving. Uh, the problem they're having now is that they're not problem solving a problem anymore. Like what's just happened in terms of COVID is far beyond, oh, I have a problem, what's a solution, right? It really is a systemic change. Uh, which is harder, but but they're kind of you know they're just kind of through. It's a complicated thing to do. There's a, a profound array of structures that exist, uh, both from you, you know unions for musicians and unions for actors, different ones for stage actors, then for broadcast actors. Right. It's a very intricate system that's been built. None of that works digitally, right? So it really is trying to start fresh and doing that as an organization that exists um is a much different challenge and it does require you know perhaps the kind of guidance that that people like myself and you know other other folks sort of across canada can actually offer and just helping people think without fear like to me it's all opportunity but if i was invested in a particular system it's 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 all liability right (laughs) so that's uh that's of like a real pivot point that people are sort of you know bit by bit
0: working through do you do you think that people have really actualized the extent of this pandemic yet in the time frame that we're oh, looking no. at?
1: Oh no. Not at all. I think I think we're all naive. Um, you know, I mean, what's the last time we had a pandemic like that? It's about 100 years ago and if, you know, I mean, perhaps indigenous folks, first nations around the Yukon may have, you know, and and, and around the world may have more recent experiences of dealing with serious pandemics over the last few hundred years. My people didn't. <laughs> the only thing that's equivalent would be actually wars <laughs> and the kind of destructive and rebuilding, destructive power and rebuilding that follows that. This pandemic response, in a lot of ways, feels very much like that. So I'm far more profound than it's a four week shutdown, far more profound than, oh, I'm going to be on an extended vacation for eight weeks. I mean, I think, you know, people's lives are being upended in profound ways, and we haven't really had to feel it because there's been a lot of government support to cushion that. I think if that disappears, I mean, that disappears, we're gonna see a very different reality. So I know, and I think, you know, in in the Yukon, we think about tourism a lot. That's probably the most immediate example. I think people are optimistic if they think that there'll be a tourism season next year. So I'm interested in thinking about, you know, how, how do you put a place on the map, like the Yukon, um, when it has to be digital for a while. And there's lots of ways to do that. Uh, There probably aren't a website, (laughs) right? (laughs) I think there is, it's, it's kinda, it's, you know, the world has moved much beyond that, so I think that's something where you know people who are no less about how the digital realm has evolved in the last 25 years or they keep talking to me about websites and i keep saying no that's that's a nice idea but it's not what we need now right <laughs> anyway so I, I realize i'm diverging a little bit but that's sort of like the the train of thought that you know sort of occupies my taste these days which is we have to understand enough about the digital realm how it is today and where it's headed not what we actually know it to be Right, and that's a very different thing to do. Um, and then the Yukon, we're not exactly in an advantaged place when it comes to internet speed or capacity or our ability to reliably
0: uh, do things online. Mm-hmm. So, what are you learning about leadership over the past eight months? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was, I was referring to a bloody head a a few minutes ago. Well, you know, I think my favorite definition of leadership is you're a leader when you have followers. Until you have followers, you're just doing business, you're doing your own thing, it's fine, you might even make lots of money, and that's great, but you're not leading anything until people are prepared to follow. And that's been a realization, I think, for me personally, in the last little while is, you know, people would have called me a leader, for instance for the last number of years, but nobody was following. And I think that's been really a shift um, in the last eight months where I have the right ideas, I have enough of the right know-how and I'm known enough for having, you know, gotten a bloody head for, you know, eight and a half years so that people now know where to find me. Um, But that's that's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting piece to me to sort of Think about you know, what, what really is a leader and what is a leader in business. Um, I don't think there are that many of them. I think there are lots of people who do a great job being in business. But that doesn't mean you're a leader in your community or a leader in a sector or a leader you know, that is really affecting more than just my bottom line, but that's actually making a difference uh, in a far greater way. Um, anyway, that's kind of an interesting, it's, it's an interesting conversation to me about where we each play and you know I'm an independent consultant but I can lead the country in the performing arts when they're trying to figure out how to be in a digital world that is unusual that is not how we ordinarily would think of that right like you have to be some major company or institution to to claim that kind of thing um, it's also an effect of the digital world of course <laughs> I just need a website and I'm real <laughs>
0: Well, and that's, I mean, that's, that's part of it. And in this space is like, we're, we're really kind of designing for emergence right now. And so there's a lot of opportunity for uh, unknown players or, you know, emerging players to to claim some space in in a new economic paradigm, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, part of, like one of the one of the big changes that's happened for me in the last eight months, quite frankly, is you know I was happy being independent consultant, taking two or three months off a year. Um, you know, our honeymoon got converted into a you know working <laughs> this year. Like they're just you know like a lot of things we had planned for it didn't happen. Um, but I also decided that I that I was saying yes to a lot of projects, you know, sort of in April, not knowing exactly how things would how things would fall out for me. And uh, as a result of that, I now, I had to bring in four different consultants uh, to work, to form out pieces of these projects that I've said yes to, because there's no way for me to actually handle them uh, on my own. Um, and there, you know, those are consultants in Victoria and Timiskaming, Northern Ontario, strange places like that, and, and Montreal, Ottawa, like they're all over the place. And there's something about sort of, that's a very distributed way of leading significant visionary truly innovative not been seen like that before work um in a whole bunch of different dimensions um all focused on arts and culture lots of that is transferable to any other sector um as well in terms of the basic knowledge uh, that that we're generating um you know i wouldn't have gone there um (laughs) i would have been happy to take my two months off a year (laughs) but that is part of i think just a sort of that response to this reality that we're in. Um, and, you know, dealing with uncertainty, both, you know, personally, but also, um, you know, like, I mean, when entire sectors are, are threatened and including those that I work with predominantly, you know, you're, you're hedging differently, right? Mm-hmm. You're making different choices as, as a result of that. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So. hmm how are you thinking about your, your business on the go forward? Like, what what is your next couple of months and years look like? I'm
1: um, Basically, you know, like the way, the way it is now, I'm fully committed well into next year. Um, I'm still saying yes to things. Um, I'm, you know, and it's, yeah. So for a long time, <laughs> you know, I've been an independent now for what's uh, 14 years uh, since 2007. And uh, for a long time, you know, I had a very, I had a very simple, simple business plan. The business plan is that I want to do transformative work. There is no, there's nothing else to it. It's, I just want to do transformative work. And there is a number of things that that implies. One of them is that I don't like to do work that is repetitive. <laughs> I like to do interesting work. (laughs) Now the double-edged sword on that right now is that all the projects I work on are interesting. (laughs) So they're they're really demanding. They're demanding intellectually. Every one of those projects requires me to learn new things and to make sense of things that don't exist yet um, so that people can make decisions and take actions, right? So the demands intellectually are, like, my brain hurts. Um, It's a bit of a concern sometimes just how, how taxing that is. There's also this part where I never really was into empire building. Like, I just want to do strategic moves. I want to be independent. <laughs> I want to have a simple world. <laughs> uh, working with four other consultants uh, is not simple. Uh, and, you know, they're all adults, they all know what they're doing, but they're not me. They don't have my brain. They have, right? They're, they're their own people, and, and I'm working with them for reasons. But there is a whole sort of other kind of way in which that is taxing um, and more complex. We get more work done, so, you know, that, that is appealing, of course, um, but I'm personally kind of going like, hey, maybe I really just want to figure out how to get back to taking two months off a year <laughs> soon, because <laughs> this is, you know, this has not been sort of feeling sustainable. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, sh- you know, I, I don't know how many days I've taken off since March. Well, let's say since May. I think that might have been six days so far, like that I actually took off. And that's definitely not sustainable and i think i'm I'm not the only one in that in that sort of scenario both for positive reasons and negative reasons right
0: um anyway no i think that's um that's a common story i'm hearing from a lot of people in leadership is they're they're they've been running for a long time now and and they know that uh the road ahead is still there's a lot there's a long way to run yeah it's tough yeah yeah and
1: you know and in part of that you you want to be responsible to the work you're doing i want to be responsible to the relationships i've built so you know it's it's interesting it's like i'm in business but i'm not right i'm really in the in the relationship sort of building business as a consultant and i take that very seriously um so when, you know, when when I get, you know, three strategic plans in a year and I get some really cool, you know, marketing projects, you know, four or five of those a year and I get some extra projects, that's a full slate. I don't really need more than that. I don't want more than that. Right now I'm working on probably about 15 digital projects and a handful of regular, you know, strategic sort of assignments. Um, it's a... It, you know, I mean, it's great work. It's interesting work, I love all that stuff. But the sustainability of that is absolutely a, a significant issue. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out if I should say yes to the next big Yukon project or to the next, you know, cool opportunity coming out of New Zealand, uh, those are tough choices, right?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. They are, they are. How are you, uh, how are you keeping yourself well? What are, what are some of the things that you're using to keep <laughs> yourself a bit grounded? <laughs>
1: honestly barely is the answer
0: <laughs>
1: it's um i don't know it's you know we I, I don't know we we rescheduled this call a couple of times because we're getting firewood so that's that's a health practice to me you know i gotta be outdoors we gotta do stuff you know there's a big snowstorm today so we shuffled a bunch of you know snow around the house i took about you know whatever two hours a bit more <laughs> And uh, you know, I think that physical activity piece is key for me, and it's been really hard to come by it. Um, but that's you know, that's you know, you got to look at trees, you got to be in the woods uh, for sanity. I spent you know easily 12 or 14 hours looking at a screen every day, um, it, which is a strange way to be, right? Uh, I'm used to it. Lots of that works for me, but it certainly uh, is a challenge to sort of try to balance that, especially when you know it's kind of strange to want to go to a gym and it's kind of strange to you know be like just the restrictions what they are and the sort of concerns right now right and and
0: just time obviously Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah no it's it's definitely a challenge what do you uh have you taken up any new skills are you learning anything new no i'm just using them all now
1: (laughs) no you know it's like I've been independent for a long time I've been working remotely for about 25 years even when I was working at an ad agency in Ottawa we you know we used WebEx on a regular basis in the late 1990s uh, like there's really no appreciable difference to the things I do. Um, I mentioned earlier that a lot of the projects I'm working on the content of projects is really intellectually challenging but that's different from a skill set like my skill set is research marketing and strategy uh, those are the skills I'm using. Um, i keep them sharp. Uh, I understand, you know, sort of, I understand enough about the, the real world and the virtual world to be able to sort of live in both places reasonably well, um, personally and professionally. So it's really not about skill sets, right? It's really about leveraging. For me, it's been really much more about leveraging the kind of things I know and, and finding ways to speak in ways that my clients can understand it. And do something about it. That that really, you know, that sort of ability to speak English as opposed to marketing or strategy or or researchy type jargony stuff um, is a big part of what I do. And the sectors I work in predominantly are not known for knowing a lot about those things. They use them all the time, but they would never recognize it, <laughs> right? So so that translation function continues to be really important, and I keep honing that.
0: Gosh, I think that's like. I mean, I think that's been a big learning for me in a communications perspective is this jargon or language that we use that is so inherent to our worldview. And I think we're all learning that and having to learn all these epidemiological terms because of COVID. You know, mm-hmm. what does a cluster mean? Or what does, you know, the infectability period mean? And our doctors and, you know, public health professionals can roll those things off. And you know what i glean out of it versus somebody else is so different so it's really trying to like you know marry these languages together yeah. so that we're all actually speaking the same language even though we're all using english
1: well and language is one aspect to that absolutely carrie but the other one is what does it mean right like there is a there is a real nuance between just the words we use and the meaning those words have and uh you know the safe six are a great example the safe six are not universal they're different in different places in the yukon they're not the same as they are in ontario <laughs> right meaning is very contextual and meaning is something that we create together as a as a society as a as a business as a community um and i think that layer is actually much more complex to uh, to try to unpack um and it's so that, that's been interesting it has implications for the work I do as well. I mean, both in terms of saying to, you know, sort of being less optimistic than clients want to be, to say, no, actually think about it. Can you not operate for two years? <laughs> and can you really not operate for two years? And they realize quickly that that's actually tough for them to be around. So they have to figure out how to be digital in some fashion, right? Um, but also I think, so there's, there's part of that meaning creation is about, you know, how do we forward look? And make some decisions that are reasonable because of that. But there's also just this part about how, you know, in the in the digital world, we talk a lot about machine readable data, which is very clinical, and it, and it makes it appear like, you know, a thing is a thing, but it's like, no, no, we still need humans to interpret. <laughs> we, st- we still need, you know, our brains to sort of supersede the engine, the computer to actually really Understand and understand together what these things actually mean. Um, you know, it's like a, it's an interesting tangent to a, to sort of the public health messaging and communications that some of them have been successful and some of them just massively confusing, right? Because the meaning, the meaning part of it has been harder to agree on.
0: I think social bubble is one of those ones that's been, you know, <laughs> because uh, you, many people would think like, this is my bubble and you can't come into it. And yet we've flipped the language to mean this is my social bubble and this is who's in it. And this is my protective, you know, set. So it, it's been uh, just the simple language of bubble has been yeah. confusing, yeah.
1: Yeah, and we moved from social distancing to physical distancing.
0: <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs>
1: right, yeah. just, just on, the, on the straight semantics
0: of that, very different meanings, absolutely hmm absolutely which of the safe six uh yukon safe six have you found the hardest to apply in your life
1: None really i mean it you know i work at home i've been a remote worker forever um you know i, I my wife uh internet green olive and uh you know she goes out a heck of a whole lot more than i do um you know so the, the way we live at this point it's sort of it sort of favors the introvert in me. There hasn't really been a big challenge. The biggest one really tends to be about sort of physical activity and, you know, perhaps not not participating in a squash league this year and things like that, that I would have ordinarily done um, and just finding other ways to deal with that. But in terms of the basic rules, I mean, they're very straightforward. Um, and, you know, like I'm not working at an office, I'm not a teacher, I don't have to deal with 30 kids in the classroom or anything like that, right? So it's a much simpler world. And uh, 80% of my work was digital anyway. So 100% is not a big jump. <laughs> 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 I still work with clients all over the country, even though I haven't been on a plane in months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which would have been a normal occurrence for me for, for a long time. Um, I'd just be flying somewhere every month or three weeks or something like that. And uh, that certainly is gone, which makes for a saner life in some sense. Um, and figuring out how to do workshops digitally is a, is a slightly different skill set than doing them in person, but not anything that I haven't been acquainted to for a long time either. Right? So, mm-hmm. so those shifts just aren't there aren't daunting to me. They kind of suit my personality, if anything.
0: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I think there are many people who agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you had any sort of major worldview shifts? over the last eight months where, you know, your, head, your, your, your head's pointing in a different direction?
1: You know, speaking of innovative digital work, I think the one, the one thing that sort of, that I've realized in the last while doing, you know, pres- I was doing some presentations for Canadian Heritage around digitizing the performing arts and where we're at. So this was like in June and September for, for folks at sort of the federal um, ministry. And, uh, and talking about digital, you know, digital used to be just global, right? Like that was the equation. And what, I, what, I'm, what, I'm, what is really different to me now is that there's two things that I think about digital now that I didn't before. One of them is that digital is actually hyper-local. And that's very different from anything we would have said, you know, before COVID, I think. And the other part is that digital is incredibly intimate. So like people who don't maybe spend as much time on a screen as I do, or don't have three Zoom meetings a day and whatever, a couple of conferences a month or something to, to speak at or something may have a different view of that. But, but the way that a lot of people are now behaving and organizing themselves, the, the digital sort of mediation of that is in fact, as intermittent as real um, to us as meeting in person would have been. And, and I think those, those two ideas, the sort of the hyperlocal and intimate aspect is massively different. And it actually changes how you can design business models. It changes what you would ever imagine that anybody would pay you for. Um, which, you know, I actually find that fairly exciting uh, and far more far more liberating than than daunting. But those are actually really big conceptual changes um, to to try to make sense of moving forward.
0: It's been interesting. Uh, some of uh, Heritage Canada, some of their content's been showing up on my TikTok feed. And I've been finding that <laughs> fascinating. That it just shows up every once in a while. And it's such an interesting place for those commercial or like that, that typical yeah. digital content that they've had before to show up. And it's been, been great. I've enjoyed receiving it.
1: Yeah. And there's, you know, there's no barrier, right? Like a government with reasonably deep pockets for advertising can be in exactly the same places that you and I as an individual can be. And we compete on a far more equal level playing field than we ever would have, you know, when you think about, oh, I don't know, buying television ads, <laughs> right? There, there, is a, there is a sort of significant shift there. It, it does challenge us to try to figure out whether something is authoritative and can be trusted, mm-hmm. right? There's a real skill set there in terms of media literacy and just understanding whether what you see is real um, whether fake news is fake news, right? That that whole sort of aspect of it—it's um, very easy to manipulate people at the best of times. Let alone when they're on Facebook, <laughs> right? I mean, as a marketer, we have to admit that <laughs> we try to change behavior all the time. Um, We—I we, mean, my in my business, it's you know, buy, buying performing arts tickets is fairly harmless. <laughs> Right, not not everything that happens in that in that realm is harmless, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are, yeah, those are some significant pieces that, you know, we really need to grapple with Mm -hmm. the other thing. But just just because you mentioned. Yeah. So the other thing that's really different is some of the projects I'm working on um, nationally, in particular, are trying to figure out whether we can build a better world digitally than we've ever managed in the physical realm. And the pieces that really come to bear there is, is equity and access. So Indigenous Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, brown people, people of color, um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, two-spirit. Like those are, those are communities I, I have affinity with, I'm part of. And in the physical world, we, we don't really play that well, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's, it's difficult. And when, when bad things happen, you know, those are groups that are systemically disadvantaged and discriminated against, still today, not, notwithstanding legal frameworks. Um, so there's a number of people who are trying to figure out in the digital realm how to build something better. And a lot of that has to do with algorithms. A lot of that has to do with how do we find information? Who do we get to discover? who gets to make those decisions? Do I really want a bunch of techies who are in a, you know, 20 something, hot chops, great coders. <laughs> Do I want them to decide what I get to discover as a lesbian in the Yukon? Not really, right? Um, so that there's some, there's some real hope there. Um, and I think there's some leading projects um, around, around the country that are really grappling with that. One of them is trying to figure out how to embed land acknowledgement, like the territory we're on up front, so we don't start with I'm in Toronto, <laughs> but I'm starting with, you know, who are the five five First Nations whose land I'm on? And today that's called Toronto, right? And just figuring that out because those geographic, you know, markers of course are completely different from our city markers or the boundaries that sort of the, the current version of Canada uses, right? Um, you know, be, being in white tourists, there's two First Nations whose land I, I live on. Um, and they don't have the same boundaries. <laughs> There's just an intersection that's called Whitehorse and, and a bit of other stuff, right? Anyway, so, so it's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about people actually trying to figure that out um, and that we get to think about that in application. Um, you know, in a year or two, some of that will come to fruition, I would hope. It's, it's, not, it's not instant, obviously, right? Um, but those are some, some sort of big opportunities that, that some of us are trying to, you know, really promote and leverage now. It wouldn't have existed before COVID quite frankly um nobody was really it's not that people weren't thinking about that is that they were thinking about it in isolated ways they were individuals having interesting thoughts now we're able to find each other and we're able to sort of you know think together in, in ways that just didn't happen before so that's pretty
0: cool I do find that that uh like in, in many ways, my network is expanding because the friction of distance is no longer present, right? And it's that um, no longer thinking about our, you know, definition by the sort of the, by, by what we've been seeing on a map historically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think I you got a, you got a sense of that earlier in terms of my work is as easily done in, you know, in Fredericton and Moncton, New Brunswick as it is in Whitehorse or in Dawson City or in or in you know a um and a lot of that you know I'm realizing that a lot of that is based on you know I've built those relationships for the last decade we know each other it's hard to build that strictly digitally it's harder to build that strictly digitally but it's actually not impossible right and you can certainly carry on quite powerfully for a while years Uh, into the future just having having that base of understanding sort of what drives different people what the ethics are what you know what sort of the value systems are and and work with people that you want to work with on really leading interesting interesting work
0: what are your hopes for the Yukon economy as we you know we've been through a bit of a reset and we're you know we, we talk about being in a rebuilding phase now so what are your hopes for that
1: that's a great question. You know, one of the things I, I lived in Ottawa before I came to, uh, to Whitehorse, so the capital city. Um, and whenever there's, there's upswings in the Ottawa economy, like Toronto might go like this, Ottawa goes like that, right? <laughs> the very, the, the ups are not as up and the lows are not nearly as low. So I think, I think we do have to recognize that, you know, with what, 43% or something like that of, you know, employed Yukoners working for a government, any of the four levels of government, um, that's not going to go away anytime soon. Um, and we need to sort of just be happy with that. <laughs> the other part is that we need to figure out, even, even industries that don't look like they're tourism dependent, like retail, uh, like restaurants, dining restaurants in particular, actually are massively tourism dependent. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to grapple with that. I think we need to understand that we need, we need to build an economy that is not cyclical and that is not seasonal which is one of the reasons why that Creative Lab North idea and actually having a bunch of people who are not in government, but motivated individuals from creative sectors, really understanding that they could be that next sector that is, that is sort of building strength and creativity and, and finding solutions to problems we didn't even know we had yet. Um, and can do that in the long term and it requires, you know, sort of a, a sweet spot of, you know, infrastructure, technology, savvy folks who can, you know, put things together in new ways. I think, I think supporting those kind of ideas um, is going to be essential. Um, you know, we're small enough to build, any, to, to build a different economy. Like it's hard to move Ontario. It's hard to move Canada. It's not hard to move 37,000 people, 40,000 people. Right, that's actually in relative terms quite easy, but we might have to make some different choices about what we invest in. Um, And I think, you know, if anything, COVID gives that opportunity to not stay tethered to old ways of being and old values, but to actually figure out how to take care of each other and to figure out how to build something that 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 is far more lasting, that doesn't happen from May to October if you're lucky, right? Um, There might be some other opportunities similar to that. I'm not sure. That's just the one that I'm, you know, that I'm sort of most familiar with. Um, And any chance I'll get to talk about it, I will.
0: (laughs) So thank you, Carrie, for (laughs) letting me do that. (laughs) Well, it's been my pleasure, my pleasure. Um, What advice do you have for emerging entrepreneurs?
1: Hmm. You know, that advice never changes, right? I think just because you're, yeah, I mean, in a way starting at difficult times is easier. If you can, if you can operate now, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, but I think, I think it's important that you know your stuff. Um, you know, you, you gotta have the expertise you claim to have. Um, you gotta build amazing relationships, um, which is another way to say, have a great brand. Um, you know, people need to trust you. Businesses don't hire people, people do, right? People hire consultants. <laughs> a business doesn't do anything without people that make decisions, and and I think it's important to remember that. Um, I think the other the other part is you've you've got to really. There's a certain amount of fearlessness, right, that comes with starting anything. What I know most about is being a consultant. I've been doing this for a long time, and I think the thing that people who've talked to me about, you know, for becoming a consultant, always underestimate is that they have to be good at working on their own. They have to be self-motivated. There, nobody is going to ever tell you when you should be done with a thing. And there's no distractions except for the ones you create. So make sure you don't create too many. (laughs) It's a real challenge, right? (laughs) You know, and I think, I think that kind of self-discipline, um, is important and if you don't have that it's really hard to learn that um, anyway so those would be a few sort of notions um, and I think a lot of that holds true no matter what and back to your question about wellness it's like my goodness start start to be well from the start because once you burn out or you get these really you know horrible effects in your life whether that's personal or health-wise doesn't really matter but all kinds of really you know unintended things can happen and uh If you can just build that into your to your vision up front and kind of go like, yeah, I'm not working every weekend, I'm not working just because there's work, because there'll always be work. (laughs) You're either doing the projects or you're working on the business, right? So like you gotta you gotta gate that. Um you know, have time for the things that actually matter in life that are not work. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Definitely. Any uh podcasts, books, movies, things that you'd recommend to the audience?
1: Yeah, you know, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Um, I read a lot and all of that, but I don't follow anybody. I think that the thing that I draw most inspiration from is probably my wife these days, um, who, I don't know, she, she's, you know, she's been a significant sort of business and community leader in, in, in White House for a long time. and. Uh, you know i think there's just something about the way of being that combines you know doing good things in business and doing good things in the community um that you know that that's where i groove that's where i want to pay attention not so much about you know what's the latest ted talk on something momentous um and yeah i mean notwithstanding all the all the reading i do i never ever get an answer for the question about about that
0: <laughs> there's going to be like a tune that you and Antoinette like jam out to every once in a while that gets you through
1: i don't know what's the tune we jam out to every once in a while to get us through there's an awful lot of melissa etheridge i'm afraid too many breakup songs kind of ironic <laughs> we should listen to celine dion more actually yeah. celine's good <laughs> we love celine
0: <laughs> perfect that's a perfect classic I know, <laughs>
1: that's pretty funny now music is kind of a big deal we listen to a lot of music i've been getting acquainted with all kinds of you know Topagonian and calypso and stuff that i never had to pay attention to so i'm actually really enjoying that and i don't understand half of
0: it but it's awesome (laughs) perfect that's fantastic that's that's how we stay young right (laughs) that's right yeah you just got to push your boundaries learn a new dance a new tune
1: Totally. And I think internet gets regaled by, you know, some of the German radio stations I listen to and, and all that. So <laughs> that's part of the, the beauty of the internet these days. I get to actually hear the, I get to hear the weather forecast in Frankfurt all the time. Mm. And the traffic. Traffic's a big, big, a big deal. Sure. Anyways, but yeah, so those are sort of the cultural intersections. <laughs>
0: uh, Inga, thanks so much for your time today. It's been really great to chat with you.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Gary. Really appreciate it. Goodbye. Okay, take good care.